To this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Welcome to September. Welcome you to September. Made it. Specifically September 2nd, 2020. This is episode 243. 243. That's not a thing. Podcast. That's um, not a thing. Um, if you're not familiar with us, the Media Boat Podcast is a podcast all about television, movies, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. Stop doing that, please. I tell you that every week. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit. Uh, we don't have any bits this week. Um, my name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. I literally almost said my name is Matt there for a second. You did that last week. <laughs> I did last week? Yeah. I might have. <laughs> I thought when I said that for a reverse show. I was like, whoever, whoever you are. <laughs> Whoever I am your co-host on this wondrous journey that is the Media Boat Podcast. Yes, wondrous journey. Uh, we always start this wondrous journey of the Media Boat Podcast talking about movies. And we have box office this week. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, technically, box office because New Mutants premiered and it garnered $7 million. So that counts as box office? $7 million. Yeah, that's it. For a film that was supposed to come out in 2017, 2018. Yeah. So not amazing numbers, but it goes to show you some people, um, the bravest of us or the dumbest of us, I don't know. Those might be the same thing, uh, are willing to go out to movie theaters. So the ultimate test, of course, will be next week. Because that goes right into our first news story. Sure does, because we might as well be the Tenant podcast at this point with the amount <laughs> of talk we have given this movie. Oh, if um, everything went smoothly, the talks would have came and went. But you know, <laughs> but no. So the what is twenty twenty without controversy? Like, yeah. So instead, here's like week twenty of Tenant updates. Uh, this week, it's impending. It's about to happen. It's we finally are here. Days away. Last-minute reopenings of New Jersey, Maryland, and some parts of California, their theaters specifically, are providing the commercial potential for Tenet. It might actually make some money. It opened to a strong $53.6 million overseas in 40 markets, as well as Canada this past weekend, and is projected to add another $50 million from offshore territories launching alongside the U.S. this weekend. So, early estimates place Tenet on a three-day weekend uh, gross of $20 million. That's pretty far from Nolan's previous works, as you might imagine. About $100 million less? Yeah. So, for reference, 2012's The Dark Knight Returns made $160.9 million. Dark Knight Rises? I was probably one of them. Uh, and 2010's Inception made 62.7 because it's not Batman, but it's still Christopher Nolan. Uh, this is all in part, uh, so this new uh, estimate is in part uh, to AMC announcing that it will have 70% of its circuit of theaters open this weekend. This includes San Diego, California, following our state governor, uh, Gavin Newsom's reopening provisions that he announced last Friday. In total, 140 additional AMC theaters will reopen this weekend. So AMC getting behind this thing really big, hoping that people will come out. Uh, yeah, and Warner Brothers also hoping people will come out as they've had 
preview screenings this entire week leading yeah. up to the weekend. So the overall total for Tenet upcoming weekend could be a seven-day total. So let's let's do this. We haven't been able to do this in a long time. So we have over a under. starting point of 20 million. Yeah, over under 20. What are you taking? Uh, no, I want to say over, but... Maybe. I don't know if people actually want to go to the theater. Yeah. Because unlike most people who probably see it as a no, don't go, this past week I have been vigorously searching if Tenet is playing in either a theater locally or a drive-in theater. Well, we mentioned the thing about drive-in theaters last week where they're being very picky about which ones that they show the film in. Exactly. And what I've seen is the closest theater to us is in La Jolla that will show Tenet. Yeah, it's a little far. Yeah, but that is San Diego County for us. Yeah. So, yeah. So are you taking the over then, for sure? I want, I want to say over because just because I think people want to get out, even though theaters aren't necessarily the safest spot, I think the way, not necessarily just AMC is handling it, but the way if you're allowed to open, then you have a plan set. Mm-hmm. And AMC does have a plan in motion, including um, having circu- having purified air, having places for hand sanitizers, having stuff for cleaning in place, as we have covered on this podcast, that they because they have a plan in place, people may feel safer to return back to the theater. And seeing as this is the big movie and also the first movie that you would want to go see back in the theater, I think it would drive numbers up. Okay. Well, I don't have a problem taking the, the under here. So, Oh, I would love to see an under. However, <laughs> well, being of one to win the game. Here's my thought process. Here. So all of that you said is true. They are taking certain precautions, but one thing that they have to do that they don't have a way around is distancing people in the theaters, right? They do allow spaces in between seats. Yeah. But then again, the seats are pretty compact depending on which theater you're in. But, but that's what I'm saying, though. There's no way around to having provisions like that. Well, so, it's, that's why they do the select your own seat. Yes. Hold on. So that's one of the reasons why I think we're looking at under here. Because 20 is a decent week for a movie with full theaters and not a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think they're being generous with $20 million here. So you think all those empty seats, the 40% capacity theaters, will hurt it. That takes a hit. So it's all of the, you know, the trepidation that people have about going to theaters on top of the fact that theaters cannot sell as many tickets as they would be able to before. I think those two things combined, I think you're not going to see 20. Yes, but because this is practically the only new theater and you're already limited seating, wouldn't you want to dedicate 80% of your screenings (laughs) to Tenet? You're probably better off just putting all of your screens on Tenet, let's be honest. Um, Well, yes, but, you know, I got to throw some new mutants and whatever that Russell Crowe thing is (laughs) (laughs) in there. Like, I could be wrong, you know, I hope I'm not, but, like, 
we're really at the point where we have no idea what's going to happen. Yes. Like, this year has been so unpredictable. Who knows? Truly. Like we could have, we could have people actually come out, but I still think that there's enough reasons out there for people not to want to do this to themselves. Well, I don't think people should do them, do this to themselves. I mean, there's a difference between like going out to a park with other people than going to a theater in an enclosed space where people are eating popcorn, taking their masks off, drinking soda. Yeah. <laughs> One cough. <laughs> Big difference. Yep. What's safe, however, is watching movies at home. Yes, but don't pirate it, though. Because this has been released online already because <laughs> it was already international. It's already out there. I was... Uh, thank you for helping me with the segue, but I was already on my way there. Segway. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> you ruined it. Don't uh, worry. The segue was ruined a long time ago. Because our second story has to do with exactly that. Some people who led a pirating operation. Yar. So here's the deal. According to federal prosecutors, three men... Jonathan Correa, Umar, Umar Ahmad, and George Breedy, say those names three times fast, concocted an international movie pirating scheme that caused tens of millions of dollars in losses to film studios and distributors over the course of nine years. Manhattan federal court filings allege that the men conspired to run a comp- copyright infringement crew called The Sparks Group, Ooh. Spark, spark. Posting nearly every movie released by major production studios online. Prosecutors say that the men created a front organization in order to dupe film distributors in Manhattan, Brooklyn, New Jersey, and Canada into mailing them screeners for their films. The trio then, of course, cracked the copyright protections built into the screeners and posted the movies and shows online. Court proceedings are expected to provide additional details regarding the computer forensics and other investigative measures involved. So if you watched pirated movie within the last nine years that had a property of whatever pictures on it, that was probably a screener cracked by these bros. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is always something that was always in the back of my head whenever screeners went out to people. Yeah. Like, oh, Anyone can have them because we have friends who get screeners like, hey, I got this screener. Want to come over for a movie watch? Right. But so, this is simply completely different from watching it in your own home. This is providing it to millions and millions of people. Yes. So the studios, of course, are angry about this, as you might imagine. So this will go to the courts. Obviously, they're going to get slapped with something. Um, now, I don't think they made any money off this, so no. How much could they get? Well, that's even looking for a monetary thing. Well, if you recall, if you remember that FBI warning at the beginning of every every DVD or Blu-ray, it says it's like what is it up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars you're liable for. Mm-hmm. So they'll at least get fined that much, if not more. That's according to the FBI per yeah. instance, I would assume. I think it is. Yeah, I think they're the language they even use in that thing is as applicable so it's like there could be other things and like where they maybe the just the staggering like widespread of this this like operation that these guys met is probably worth a lot more and so 
who knows? Right. But like I could sue you and win for $10 million. Are you ever going to pay it though? I don't know. Will I? Could you? Could Depends you on what you're suing me yeah. for. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like these companies who are going to like, I guess federal. Yeah. This is a federal. This isn't each company. So the United States government is suing them? It sure sounds like that. Federal, I mean, it's federal court. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it says uh, Manhattan federal well, court filings. New- so it may be New York State right now uh, level, and then it might go up from there. Okay. We'll keep an eye out. We'll keep, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep an ear out for it. For, for the story and see how it develops. Uh, but for now... Let's move out of news and talk about movies we watched. You watched a movie that came out in 2020, but uh, let's see, uh, months ago. Uh, yes, because that's because it's just available on Peacock now. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes, that's why I saw it. I was like, oh, I should probably watch that. All right, so tell me about Watch at Home Quarantine Sensation Trolls World Tour. So when we when it came out, we were all discussing like, should we buy it? Do we need to buy it? I'm not gonna buy it. Who's this for? It's for your kids and it's for parents who like music. <laughs> Our thoughts eventually were spot on. That's exactly what this is. Yep. Um, it's got classic music, but also the words are tweaked, so it kind of fits their story. Um the verses. But the choruses are mainly the same. Um, it's about unifying music and what I thought was leading to a mono genre um, conclusion. Yeah. Climatic battle ends up being not about that, but more about the music inside you and the music you choose to create. Inside me? Yes, and inside all of us. Which isn't where I thought it was going to go, and if it was, it should have been done differently. Like there are a lot of elements that were sprinkled in throughout it that I thought were leading to one thing: the ultimate conclusion being music is for everybody, which mm-hmm. it was. But it added the twist of music comes from within us, and you don't need to belong to a certain tribe, musical sure. tribe, to yeah. appreciate all music. Okay. Which in itself is a good message. Yeah, that's that doesn't sound that bad. No, but when you compare this with the first Trolls movie, where it was about finding who you are and being yourself, they completely almost redid the exact same thing, but in musical <laughs> format. <laughs> yes. You know what? It's a tried and true formula. Like, that works. They know it works. Yeah, uh, interesting to see where they go from here because I like the characters they introduce. I like the world that they're building out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next, I'd guess, global adventure for this franchise takes you... Well, you can see it right now because it's a series on Netflix. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I bet. Is it? Is I it? think there is some sort of troll series on Netflix, but... I think it predates the second movie. So I don't know. I don't know. Right. Wow. Um, I don't know. I would take it to like Trolls where there is no music and try and go that route. Or, so like a foot, like Footloose, but with Trolls? Yes. Yeah. That might be, that might be good, Footloose, but with Trolls. <laughs> except it's about singing and not dancing. Yes, like, except they go to a place where they dance and don't sing. Yeah. 
Whereas these yeah. sing and then dance. Yeah. Yeah. We'll workshop that idea. I want to see a script by, uh, by October 1st. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, I saw a movie that came out this week. I know. Oh, this week? Or last you, week, Did you go to a movie theater? I didn't go. I didn't have to go anywhere. What? No. I saw it at home. How? On demand. demand. Okay, what did you watch? And why did you watch it? <laughs> so, the family wanted something to watch. So my mother is in town. People of the podcast don't really need to know that, but I guess it offers context. So yes, we all I love your mother. Visiting with them and my new uh, newly born nephew. George and, Lucas. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Lucas George, big difference. George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> I'm protecting his identity. <laughs> um, so we were looking for a movie to watch, and we had remembered that the brand new Bill and Ted film was in uh, available on on demand. So if you're familiar with the Bill and Ted franchise, both Excellent Adventure from I think 1989 and Bogus Journey from 92, 91, 92, one of those. Um, so yeah, it's been a while since they made one of those things. Obviously, Keanu Reeves has had a whole career in the time between then and now. He's both been in and out of the Matrix. Yeah, Alex, Win- Alex Winter, meanwhile, has really not. Um, in and out of whatever restaurant he's been in. <laughs> oh, that's mean. <laughs> anyway. Um, hey, I said, hey, that's been for buying, not for employee. <laughs> but, but yeah, those movies are, you know, depending on who you talk to, uh, classics in, to some people of like that kind of era of stoner comedy. And then, um, you know, the studio decided they wanted to revive it, bring it back for a third installment that takes place, well, now, where all the characters are aged up, time has passed, they have settled down with their, with their wives and had children, uh, namely two daughters. And uh, yeah, it's, this film kind of catches up where the, like with, the, with uh, Bill and Ted and their lives now in, uh, as dads. And it manages to be a fun time. Uh, really? I came out of this thing really positive. It's got the same kind of quirky, weird energy of the first two movies. There's a lot of callbacks to events and characters from those films. So if you really love those films, you're going to find a lot of cool throwbacks here. Um, but even if you're not familiar with the source material, there's still a lot of fun to be had. Um, a lot of music, a lot of music references. You get your time travel because you have to have your time travel in these movies. Um, you get Keanu Reeves being Keanu Reeves, which is a big factor for a lot of people, I'm sure. The downside is, of course, as we're in the era of quarantine direct to on-demand releases, is that to see this, you are going to have to pony up $20 for rental. Okay. So makes sense if you're a family of like five people like we were but doesn't make as much sense if you're two people and you're like, $10, really? The kicker is, is you can also own it digitally for like $7 more. So if you're, yeah, that's literally the difference is $7. At least it was on our local uh, cable service. So you're basically saying, do I want to watch this maybe once, maybe twice within a 48 hour period for $20? Or do I want to have this 
on my on-demand cable account, as long as I have the box that can run it, there's a lot of weird questions you have to ask yourself about video on-demand releases right now. And whether or not you actually- this Comcast cable because Universal? This was Cox. Okay. But Comcast, Spectrum, they're all going to have basically the same thing here. This is going to be the same thing. From what I understand, you can also probably go through YouTube and buy this digitally. You could probably also go through Apple to buy this digitally for your Apple devices. You could probably go through Amazon, uh, Amazon uh, video to buy this. There are lots of different avenues, but it's probably going to be price parity pretty much throughout. You're going to yeah, look at- say, If I can connect it to my Movies Anywhere account, then yeah. it would make more sense. But you're also- buying a thing to own without ever seeing it? So the question, of course, is yes, there's that. Plus, there's the question of, do you really own it? It can be taken away from you at any point Mm -hmm. if, you know, on a whim, if they decided to delist it, depending on the service you use. So there's a lot of questions, but ultimately, I, so that's why, uh, well, they ended up buying it. I don't know why. I would probably would have just rented it at this point. because if I'm going to buy a movie, I want to get a physical copy of it at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's it was a fun movie. It was a fun time. It it was uh it was enjoyable. The lesson of it was kind of cool because you expect like a time traveling movie to be about, especially one based on movies that were literally over 25 years ago now, uh, to be about nostalgia and be about the past. This one actually has a nice theme throughout about kind of passing on the torch to the future. And so it's really, really cool that they kind of work that into the Bill and Ted story. So yeah, I recommend it. I think I give it a, well, it's not really a stream it if you can't stream it yet. Well, would you buy it then? So like I said, I recommend renting it. It's a fun night. Uh, It's a fun thing if you have the $20 to spend a night doing with your family or your significant other or by yourself. I don't know if you're a big, big roller and you want to spend money. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It's a good time. Or just wait until it hits Netflix in a year. Is it better if you're fans of the original two? So that's, that's kind of where I'm divided about it because I've seen those movies, but I saw those movies probably 20 years ago when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember a whole lot about them. I remember like the major beats. So my nostalgia is pretty limited, but I had a good time with it. So I would say that if you are fans of the original, you are probably going to enjoy this. Um, But even if you're not, I don't want that to deter you. Like, even if you're not a fan, like, I think it's still a fun movie. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I watched a film as well that came out in the year 2020. Okay. But I also kind of want to read it as the worst film I've ever seen. Oh, boy. Coming out of the gate on that hot take there. Uh, this is Ben Affleck, The Way Back. Okay. All right. Where he is a disgraced former basketball player, former high school standout, who returns back to his alma mater uh, to coach their basketball team. And you think, okay, here is our protagonist. Here's our hero of the story. Here's our Coach Carter. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. At, at, uh, right from the start, it shows that he is a out-of-work alcoholic. 
I want to say out of work because he works construction, but fallen from his former statue as a NBA superstar. Okay. Now out of the league for some time, drinks alcohol, does construction, and then gets roped into coaching his alma mater's basketball team because their coach had a heart attack. And he's like, hey, you're not doing – the principal's like, you're not doing anything. We could use you. So the whole story, you go through this whole kind of redemption arc of Ben Affleck rebuilding his life together, trying to rebuild the team to a competitive team. Mm -hmm. Only for it to fall apart in the third act where he loses his job, he loses his connection with his family, and he ultimately loses the coaching job because of his drinking and can't basically control himself. But the team does great. They made it to the, to the playoffs. They have a they turned it around and had a winning season, which they hadn't had in twenty years. But at the same time, I never felt a real connection between the coach and the players. I never really like when they introduced the players. It went through real quickly. Here are the players. Here's what they do. Here's everything you need to know about them. That was two minutes of my time. You should know that by now. I'm mm-hmm. quizzing you immediately. And unlike other films, like Remember the Titans, where you get to know these players, you can say their names easily, identifiable, not so much in this case. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a lot of other good sports movies that kind of do what this does. But I think because this is based off a true story, it definitely hinders it because it tries to pigeonhole it to, but this is what happened. Yeah. But it doesn't make a good story. Or you're not really telling it that good. Are you saying they could have taken, if they took maybe a little bit of creative liberty, it would have improved the actual drama? I think they didn't try and create actual liberties too, Mm. because they try and give a vague backstory of like he had a wife and he had a child, the child died and then he divorced. But we don't show that. We just tell you that happened. So by the time we get to um, the climax, the turning point, where his nephew, who he has a connection with, that you we try and make and establish, then when he dies, you're supposed to feel something because now, oh no, you're sad for him because he's losing more people. But because he's the nephew and not the son, it's less of an important connection that you feel. Yeah. So I think if they took liberties and said, oh, he loses his son as well. Like, he moved the son's death up. Like, yeah, it, it never happened continuously, but for narrative purposes, it makes a stronger connection of how why he falls. Then, yeah, you have a mm-hmm. probably better story. Because then you have, you would bring the son in to watch him coach, a la Remember the Titans. And then when you have the kid die, like you just say the kid and the cousin die from said accident or whatever. It makes it more powerful because now it's affecting him even more personally than just, oh, I lost my son, but that was off screen before this. And now I'm losing someone else. That line is tricky to walk when you're doing a based on a true story thing, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like, how much do we fudge to make it seem a little bit more dramatic or believable that this all happened? 
while also adhering to the true story. I think that line depends on how much are you going to get fact-checked. Yeah, yeah. Or how big, how much people actually care. Right. Or how litigious the family is. Yeah, or, or like what the estate wants you to uh, yeah. do with it. So the theory that you have is that maybe they were a little too picky about what they wanted this story. Like the people who actually held... Yes. For lack of a better term, the rights to the story probably were like, yeah, maybe don't fudge too much the, this. Let's mm-hmm. keep it straight and narrow. Let's tell the story. Yeah, but sometimes straight and narrow and you miss your target. Yeah, yeah, turns out. So it just sounds, just, it was just, it just failed to like connect with you with yeah. any of Even being a sports movie, like even when it shows him coaching, yeah, it was, hey, we're going to do this drill and run this offense. Now all of a sudden we're winning. Yeah, yeah. We were scoring, like, we showed you two games where we sucked, where we barely scored 30 points. Now we're going to change this offense, and now we're scoring 50 points a game, <laughs> 60 points a game and winning. We're on a win streak. And it doesn't really show that growth that you would like to see from a montage of players training mm-hmm. as much in order to make it stick especially when you're focused so much on the coach and not necessarily the players. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like sports movies, when they really, really connect you, they really work well. And this is just an example of when that doesn't, that just, Mm -hmm. there's a disconnect there. Yep. Okay. Well, any other movies that we need to do clean up on before we move on to television here? Nope. uh, Because we've got a lot to talk in television. Yeah, let's get to it. First, we always start television with sports. And uh, sports, even though last week we reported that they had maybe were going to go on hiatus for a little bit, well, it turns out that hiatus lasted all of uh, about 24 hours because games pretty much across uh, all leagues resumed by Saturday night. Which is kind of what we said. Like, yeah, everyone's going to probably take a standstill since it's happened Wednesday night, Thursday day, everything was going to basically be canceled have a remembrance and then by friday saturday it'll be back to business as normal and i had read what i had read specifically about the nba is that even though the star players were the ones like putting their foots down especially our la teams here the clippers and the lakers mm-hmm. were trying to continue um the protest and then they just got outvoted sound like the other players wanted to play uh i i read that as a different way i read it where the lakers or the Lakers and Clippers were basically, if we vote to cancel the playoffs, who else would go with us? Basically, it was like LeBron saying it, okay. I assume. And then it was like, okay, Kawhi being also from LA and being for the president, like, okay, we as the Clippers would probably follow you. Would anyone else follow us? And no hands went up. Okay. It was a straw vote on a, on a strong poll. <laughs> Just to see, would this happen? Okay, that makes, that, that makes sense. That actually squares with what I had seen. I just Right, because you had saw that the Lakers and Clippers yeah. would vote to cancel, which is right. not necessarily what it was. But, but the, 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 the thought was there. Um, yes. But yeah, anyways, what, what matters though is that, yeah, play resumed. It has continued. And uh, yeah, largely, largely, yeah, largely the leagues have uh, moved on from from the protest. But I mean, they're still doing Black Lives Matter on the court. They're still doing yeah. post game interviews about yeah. it. But as for actual play, play has resumed. 
In fact, yeah, the uh, I guess the you don't I don't know if you have this here, but the NFL announced that they're also going to have um, statements in the end zones on the fields uh, related to I that. Somewhere. Yeah, I saw something today about that they're going to have the end zones will be painted certain ways with phrases. I think one of them that I when I saw was like in end racism or something like that was a possible possibility for one. So right, same- yeah. I think it's only one of the end zones would be painted that way, okay. not both. Okay. Well, well I guess but, we'll see. Well, I mean, football is literally not that far away. Yeah, we'll see. This is, as you have here, the last week of no football. So The last week of no football. We come back. We're finally here. We're back to football. Wait, no, that was last year. Um, <laughs> or two years ago. When was the back to football thing? Uh, well, we're really back to football this year. Yep, um, fantasy drafts have happened. Yeah. I have fantasy players on my team, on both leagues. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Patiently, normally you draft Labor Day, but you know, because life gets in the way. Yeah. In this case, though, yeah. So while we're waiting, though, for football to come back, so the NBA and NHL conference semifinals have both begun. So if you're big on basketball or hockey and your favorite team is in those, you're probably on the edge of your seats. So good luck, I have to say. Uh, Meanwhile, also in football news, the last year's champions, Kansas City Chiefs, have received their rings. And they are huge and unnecessarily huge. Bling bling. But the Kansas City Chiefs were not the only people to receive a rig that day. Okay. Patrick Mahomes proposed to his longtime girlfriend. Yay! With a $550 million ring over 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. And he dropped to his knee and he extended the ring out and he said, Will you be my homie? <laughs> anyway. my, my forever homie. <laughs> <laughs> my homie forever. Yeah, my homie forever. There it is. <laughs> I guess she'll be future Mrs. Mahomey. Yeah, Mrs. Mahomey. <laughs> and then uh, that uh, should be my fancy team name, Mrs. Mahomey. That's actually pretty good. Uh, but I don't have Mahomes on my team. Mahomey. All my players for Patrick Mahomes, just so I can become Mrs. Mahomey. Yes. <laughs> Live the dream. Live the Hashtag dream. no context. <laughs> exactly. Uh, here's your title for the show. All right. Um, Then also in sports, baseball is over halfway through the season. And that's great news if you're doing well and horrible news if you're the Angels. Well, no, it's great news if you're the Angels because that means you only have less games to play. (laughs) So you you have less uh, less time for this agony to end. (laughs) Yes. Also, I think uh, free agency will be ending this upcoming Labor Day weekend. Okay. So players are being traded, especially from the Angels. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, But, yeah, uh, baseball continues to chug along. Um, And lastly, real quickly, I think I mentioned in NFL news. It's not NFL news. It is kind of NFL news related. Uh, COVID testing of the, like, 13,000 players and staff they've tested Uh this past week only – Two players tested positive and four staff and trainers tested positive. In the entire league, 
Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. So still positive tests, but because they're doing every other day testing now, right? they're able to catch it, they're able to distance, and they're able to monitor. Yeah, exactly. You put those guys away, and then everybody else should should be okay. Yep. All right, anything else in sports before we move on to television news? Uh, nope, because WWE does not count in sports. No, but sports golf yeah. does, and golf FedEx Cup playoffs continue. All right. And NASCAR playoffs continue. Those are still sports, technically. Those are sports. That's true. But what isn't sports are superheroes. And our first story is all about the CW world of superheroes. Ah, the Arrowverse. Yeah, you would think that, wouldn't you? But the CW now has a new name for their universe of superheroes. We'll get there in a moment. On Tuesday, the broadcast network dropped a promo for its new and returning superhero series which, of course, labeled the universe they all exist in. As you mentioned, long named the Arrowverse by fans, now confirmed to be the CW-verse. That does not roll off the tongue. But it's accurate. They are all on the CW. Technically, yes. So the promo shows clips from all the network's currently airing superhero series that have launched since the premiere of Arrow way back in 2012. That includes The Flash, Supergirl, DC's Stargirl, Batman, Black Lightning, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow, as well as the upcoming Superman and Lois, not to be confused with the 90s show Lois and Clark, which is different. Also, that is Batwoman, not Batman. It's true. Very different. None of these series made the CW's fall lineup, though, due to COVID-related production shutdowns and delays, but they are all expected to debut at mid-season thanks to a newly ramped up production schedule. So also because it's Berlanti and taking place in Vancouver. Yeah. So here's two things, here's two thoughts that I have about, about the name change. I think this is smart for two reasons. One, I think it's smart because Arrow is, has now been canceled. Is that correct? That is correct. That's why they need to move away. Well, two and two, I think it's smart to, say this is where the tv superheroes live so that way that kind of quells fan arguments about whether or not they coexist with the dcu film universe so that right way, especially yeah. when they do their Separate. crossover infinite or crisis on infinite earth crossover events stuff right right so fans don't expect oh are we going to see robert pattinson batman in this no you're not going to see robert pattinson batman in this He's separate. He's different Batman altogether. You're not even going to see Fox Gotham Batman on this. No, no. That's a different, that's different. Not CW-verse. Yes. Uh, you also will not see Brandon Routh Superman from Smallville. Oh, no. That's not yeah. su- no, Brandon Routh is Superman from Superman Returns. Returns. Yes. Uh, Willis? Who was the Superman from Smallville? I don't remember who the Superman from Small. That is. guy is also, guy. although technically a part of it, technically also not. Yeah, because well, Smallville was that one of the ones that bridged the WBCW crap? I think it did. Yes. However, when CW put in for Arrow from uh, Berlanti Productions, they didn't want any connection to Smallville. Okay. In order to avoid confusion and avoid to avoid crossover, yeah. It was so I bet, its own separate thing. 
Yeah, I bet they don't involve that universe. Well, they did in one of the Infinite Earth timelines where he had a cameo. Uh-huh. But because they also have, uh, as you mentioned, Superman and Lois, it is a completely different Superman. I mean, who are we kidding? It's all comic books. There's going to be crossovers and cameos all the time. That are You know how happen. crazy comic book lore is where there's five different people of the same kind? Yeah. And no one ever dies. Yeah, but right. they do, but they don't. And there's different Earths and parallel dimensions all over the place. Anything is possible. So none of this means anything anyways. But it's, it, but it's you know, it's branding news to differentiate from their brands. Yes. Really all it is. All right, let's move on to our second story here. Speaking of Warner Brothers, the big... Speaking of brands. Conglomerate, the big brand that houses the brands of DC and the CW. Well, they have a little bit of a shakeup in their animation division. It's more of a combination? Sure, yes. Warner Brothers Animation President Sam Register has received a promotion. Cha-ching! That's my Register joke. In that he will now be the president of sister Warner Media Division, Cartoon Network Studios, as well. In his new role, Register will lead both animation studios as separate entities, but, quote, united by a commitment to creative excellence, new voices, and a culture of inclusion and collaboration. Combined, the two studios currently produce more than 30 series, including Teen Titans Go! and Looney Tunes Cartoons at Warner Brothers Animation, and Craig of the Creek and We Bear Bears at Cartoon Network Studios. This move comes as the newly installed Cartoon Network boss, Tom Asheim, whose official title is President, Warner Brothers Global Kids, Young Adults, and Classics, looks to align two of the industry's most powerful animation studios. Yeah, this makes sense, just to have all of the animators under the same roof. So did you say Sam Register or John Lasseter? Because this is the exact same move Disney did. I mean, yeah, it's pretty similar. Um, but not really, though, because that there was a purchase involved here. There was technically a purchase involved here, but way back in the late 90s when <laughs> Warner bought Turner. So no, this is, this is not really similar. It's more just consolidation probably from a, uh, from a bankrolling standpoint, from an accounting standpoint, because I imagine it makes a lot more sense for them as a corporation to have all of their animators under one, you know, per, un, one leadership as opposed to, you know, having to deal with two different sides not talking to each other. This allows them to collaborate more. This is this. I imagine you'll it'll be easier for you to see uh, Cartoon Network shows show up on like the HBO Max. Will be those negotiations won't have to go from two separate companies per se, and will just happen individually. Well, see, so yeah, I thought you were saying it was going to save them on accounting from not having two president heads of an that animation company. That also is true. I mean, to be even simpler, yes, that is also true. Um, and yeah, probably a good payday for this dude. I'm hoping that it also means uh, potentially better paydays for the actual animators here, but we'll see. Um, from what I understand is I think that the Warner and the Cartoon Network Studios, I think those animators are unions. So I think that's fine. But like, if I'm wrong, then they should be. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Warner's people are union. I mean, they've been union since the beginning of the union. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be well, That's because also because Warner has been there since the beginning of time. Yeah. <laughs> Their animation though has had ups and downs and shutters and openings. So 
the people that the, the, what we call Warner Brothers animation is very much not the Warner's animation that was there in the Looney Tunes days, but still, um, it's not even the one that was there making Quest for Camelot in '98. It that's even a different studio. It's, Ooh, kinda, that's a yeah. Wow. Remember that? Yeah, that's a oh. Well, back. Anyway, we, I thought we'd no longer talk about that kind of stuff. Like the like Quest Central Park. No, Quest for Camelot will forever be remembered thanks to that song, The Prayer, because it's now become a standard. Not that many people know that that song is from Quest for Camelot, but it is. If you're drawing a blank after this podcast, Google The Prayer Josh Groban and you'll recognize it immediately. Probably. Yeah. Anyway. But that's that's for another that's for another podcast. Yeah, hey, that's for music, which is not yet. <laughs> yeah, we can't play it. I don't want to be t- taken down on YouTube. Yes, yeah, demonetized. Uh, yeah, let's not do that. Anyway, so yeah, uh, this makes this makes sense. This is a smart move potentially. Um, yeah, just makes everything simpler. And they've been cranking out some good content. That's good. Yeah. All right, television. We watched some uh, thoughts. Yes. Um, let's start with the new thing before we get to season threes of the other things. Yeah, right. So yeah, we have seasons up the wazoo. But first, you watch the new hotness, uh, which of first course is- I lived up to my drop at the end of last episode. <laughs> and yes, I did watch the three episodes now of Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country. Tell me about Lovecraft Country. Ooh, where to begin? I'm driving, I'm driving through the country. I'm seeing like cornfields, but then I see Cthulhu and I'm really confused. Is that what Lovecraft Country That is literally how it opens. Wait, is that a joke? No. Wait, All right, wait, really? Yeah. I literally made that up. Yeah, the guy uh, is <laughs> going through the Battle of War. It starts like a 1950s reel. Then all of a sudden it transforms into him fighting aliens and then fighting Cthulhu. Only uh-huh. for Jackie Robinson to show up and split Cthulhu in half with a baseball bat. Okay. And then he wakes up from a dream. Ah, got it. <laughs> Interesting. But okay. uh, it does all that to set up that this is 1950s America. Yes. And yes, our protagonist, Tick, yes, that's his name, Tick, is traveling from uh, the South United States up to Chicago to visit his uncle because he has a letter from his father who lives in Lovecraft country. Ah. And so it follows the adventures of, I want to dub the people with the most terrible luck that ever existed. (laughs) Really? I thought that that was your, uh, the main characters in Last of Us Part 2. No, see, that was dumb decisions, not dumb luck. <laughs> see. Because every episode starts off as relatively simple. Here's these group of African Americans living in 1950s America who deal with 1950s problems being African American in America. Makes sense. But then halfway through each episode, they bring in the monster of the week. Uh, a literal and 
a literal monster of the week. Yes. Because first monster deals with Dracula and vampires. Second monster deals with the with a cult uh, and sort of get out vibes. And then the third monster of the third episode deals with ghosts of unsettled killings. Hmm. So correct me if I'm wrong here. But You're wrong, I- but go ahead. Ah. That description really makes me think of the X Files. Yes, you're not. You're not wrong. Some of those vibes going on here. It is, but they don't try to solve. Yeah, their there's problems. no crimes here. They're trying to survive yeah. said problems. Okay. And that is kind of where it loses me, and also where I thought this was going to go to, where I don't like it because, it. as you know. As we've talked about this podcast for listeners, I don't like horror films. <laughs> right. So this is—it's not-, not that I don't like them because they're scary and horrifying, and I can't watch them. I don't like them because they always seem very cheesy and production value. It's like, am I really unbelievable in this? Yeah. You have to—you have to be signed up for the bill of goods that you're getting. You have to go in understanding that I'm going, you're going to get a certain level of quality to these things. Right. You got you. And for people who love horror films, this is right up their alley. I know we both know certain people who love horror films that this is right up their alley. Go ahead and watch the shit out of this. Yeah. But for me being non horror specific and most likely living in a household that doesn't like horror films anyways, (laughs) <laughs> not gonna watch this. Yeah, no. I, I gave it my three episode shot. I know who this audience is for. I know it's not for me. Yeah, and I have no reason to tune back in. There is they do try and thread through an overarching theme of dealing with that cult that I mentioned in episode two. Yeah, but I don't know if I really want to stay around and find out what it's about. Yeah, it's not keeping you. It's not keeping you attached to it. Now, aside from that general story and genre and theme that they're going for, I like its production value. Okay. I like its script writing. Yeah. I like its storytelling. I like everything about this except what the damn genre they put it in. <laughs> you like the HBO-ness of it. But... I like the HBO. Yes, I guess that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I like the production bad. value and the below the credits line above about this. But yeah, it's just not a thing that's made for y- you. Um, but yeah, it seems like people who enjoy this kind of thing are enjoying it. Um, so yeah, it's out there, I guess. And, for and as we say, sometimes it's not for me. Yeah, sometimes it's not. And for that's you. perfectly fine. <laughs> sometimes it's just for you, but this sometimes time, it is literally just for me. Sometimes it's not for you. I mean, much like the next show we're going to talk about, which is literally just for me. <laughs> so yes, you have done it. Uh, last couple of weeks, you talked about watching Infinity Train season two on, or season three, sorry, uh, yes. book three, I guess we should call it, on Cartoon Network. You have now finished it. It is done. Yes. And I hate the way they left it. There are so many more questions that I want to want asked yes. and answered. I saw the reaction on Twitter after the final episodes went up for this thing, mm-hmm. where everybody was like, wait, huh? Wait, what? Wait, this it, that's it? So the reason you get that action is because yeah. at the end of season one, she learns her lesson and she goes home. 
Yes. At the end of season two, he learned his lesson and he gets to go home. Yes. At the end of season three, she learned her lesson, but she does not get to go home. Yeah, there's some... Without spoil on the train, spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Which I think lends to future episodes where, I mean, it's a good twist where, okay, I thought she was going to get off the train. No, apparently there's still more lessons to be learned. And I'd like to see uh, more of this. Yeah. I know this creator, uh, Owen Dennis, wants to see more of this. As yes. in a recent interview, he said that he has a total of eight seasons that he would like to write for. We yep. are currently through three. But as we said last week, the impetus is on the fans to watch it because mm-hmm. HBO Max is watching those numbers. And if it performs over a certain line, we'll get more. And if it doesn't, we might not see all of those other books of Infinity Train. So get watching. Yep. Uh, I loved where they went with this. I love that each new book is something completely different from a new perspective an anthology series yeah yeah and they're always tackling something different with each characters so i like to see where it's going and there's also the through line of the conductor through all three books right so it keeps that going uh as a part of it and i really don't want to see this thing end just yet I implore people to continue watching it. Uh, watch it if you've already seen it. They're only 10, 12-minute episodes. Yeah, it's not, it's not short. a good investment of your time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, uh, I'm glad that it's still good. I'm glad that they did a good job with it. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see more. I'm just happy what we got. I think story-wise, it is fresh and inviting. Yeah. And you can, like a train, jump in and out at any time you want. But you're going to get hooked. <laughs> yeah. Always come back. Yeah. Um, so I watched a season three of a show. Well, technically speaking, I watched all three seasons of a show. Well, you watched all three seasons of a show. Of In the last three, three days. Now, can you say the title of said show? I can. So I watched all of Agretzko. Bless you. How you pronounce it uh, on Netflix. If you're unfamiliar, then you probably don't have a Netflix because if you do, you've probably got at least one of these trailers thrown in your face at some point. Because uh, I know I sure have. <laughs> um, so this is the Sanrio show, at least based on a Sanrio character, a little adorable red panda who has an office job. That's at least the premise. Except the twist, as again, you probably know from seeing the trailers, is that this little red panda has a lot of rage inside of her. And in order to get rid of that rage, she secretly has a double life as a as singing karaoke death metal. And that's so where- So I have seen this trailer. You've seen this trailer. So yeah, that's the whole, that's the bit. That's the thing that the series does. And so it's kind of, the series starts with that being the baseline, but it gets more elaborate over time. And so the third season is brand new, uh, came out last week. I saw the, that the third season was out, and I was like, you know what? I'm probably at a point in my life where I could probably watch all of this. And sure enough, I did. So I'm happy to report that this thing is pretty good. Um, it's funny. It is a comedy at heart. Um, but it is in a BoJack Horseman-style way. Also, 
concealing a dark streak that gets darker as the series goes on. And whether that's your thing or not, you know, I, you know, I can't vouch for it. It's not quite as depressing as Bojack got, but a lot of the issues that the characters in this show do face are pretty serious, which is interesting for a show that is so overly cutesy in its design. Like you look at this thing and it's very clear. It's like, oh, this is Sanrio. And that's the thing. That's the trick it's doing both narratively and visually is we're going to lure you in with like, oh, look how cute this is. Look how normal this is. And then yes, there is this streak of real dark shit happening throughout this thing. None darker than where the third season ends up. I'm not going to spoil anything, but what I will say is that uh, some really aggressive stuff, no pun intended, happens at the end of this season, uh, at this season to poor, to our poor uh, Red Panda. And it might be hard to watch for some people. So just a heads up out there. Um, so a bit of a content warning. But other than that, though, when it is firing on all cylinders, it's really, really funny. It's got some really cute, like, musical moments in it. It's uh, a really good satire of um, office work and being like an office drone in a job you don't like, which we've all been there, I'm sure. <laughs> You're shaking your head. Uh, well, most of us have been there. Uh, and I try to make my office place fun. Yes, yes. We, we can only strive to. Um, so, and yeah, it's also kind of weird to watch a show about being in an office while everyone is very much not being in an office. Well, not everybody, but at least uh, the host of the show. And so, yeah, it's interesting um, to kind of like have that, that world be reminded of that world. It's like, oh yeah, I remember going into an office. I remember using a break room. <laughs> it was like so long ago now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's cute. It's funny. It's endearing. Not all of the plots work, I guess is what I will say. It's not very consistent, uh, but the characters are fun. The, the situations are realistic. Um, and there's some real lessons that the, that the characters learn in this thing. It is a Japanese show. So if you're not a fan of like exaggerated anime style like takes, then maybe this will dissuade you from watching it. Uh, but if you're into that kind of thing um, and that doesn't put you off, it's it, there's a lot of fun to be had here. But yes, fewer beware, though, there's the occasional like little bit of, of darkness there, especially at the end of this season. So just be prepared for that. But other than that, it's a fun time. And they're short. They're only 15-minute episodes, except for the finales, I would think, which are 22s. Um, so yeah, it's a quick bite-sized thing, only 10, 10 episodes per season. So That is short. I didn't realize it was yeah. that short. Yes. So it's something that you can easily digest in three days like I did. Okay. So yeah, I like it. And, though, and there's a Christmas special because it was a Netflix show. Yay. There has to be at least one. So I haven't watched the Christmas special yet. I have to go back and do that. But yeah, it's fun. All right. Sounds good. Uh, because they're bite-sized, I might check it out. Yeah, check check out the literally check out the first episode because if the first episode does not click with you, the series will not work. Well, but, when it when it went from humdrum office to like heavy death metal, I was like, yeah. uh, what? That's too far swinging the opposite way for me. But that's the thing. That is what this show does. Right. 
Um, so yeah, if, if that works, then it, the rest of it will work for you. And how do you say the title? A Gretzko. So when there's a S-U-K-O in a Japanese word, you do not pronounce the U. It's ah, okay. Sko. Gretzko. Perfect. Anyway. Uh, did you watch anything else? Nah, nope. That's the only thing that was released in 2020 that I watched. All right. Uh, yeah, TV has not come back yet for new seasons, and it may not. Don't know. Uh, I mean, September. But, this is the time where we usually start hearing about fall premieres. So yep. we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But because it is September, because there are fall premieres, this upcoming Friday, new season of The Boys, because it, those ads have been rammed down my throat this past yes. week. And I know you're excited. You enjoyed The Boys. Yes, I'll be watching that with The Doctor... And we'll be watching the boys. Boys, boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. Oh, the boys are definitely back in town, and they are vicious as ever. All right, <laughs> anti superhero superhero show. Yes. With that done, let's move on into cancellations and renewals. Shows that will not be premiering this fall, and maybe some that will. First up, HBO Max has brought back Selena and Chef for a second season. That's with Selena Gomez uh, cooking stuff. I thought that. I saw that. I still haven't watched it. That's what that is. Netflix has canceled Ashley Garcia, Genius in Love, after one season. Must not have been that much of a genius in love. They've also canceled The Big Show Show, which is that about the wrestler? See, I thought the same thing. Is it not? Maybe. Okay. That's what I would think. The big show show. It sounds like it. Okay. You're going to have to help me out with this one because this is a a mess of letters and numbers. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to understand what this is referring to or not. You have. Uh, Yes, that is actually the big show. The big show. Wrestler as a comedy show. Okay, So I was right. Scripted. Yes. But this next one on AMC that's being canceled after two seasons. Say it all together. Is this an acronym? Say it all together. Oh, I see it now. Okay. I was going to spell it out, but then you lose the pun. It's Nosferatu. Yes. As in the vampire. Yes, as in the vampire Nosferatu. Yes, but because that's his license plate. Got it. That's what it is. That's for odd too. It, well, it doesn't matter. You don't need to retain that information anymore because it's been canceled after two seasons. All right, let's move on. The next one, Paramount Network has canceled 68 Whiskey, which I didn't even know was a show. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I did. I know. That was the Jarhead light comedy. Sure. That's a comic subject. Yeah, I mean, they make Whiskey Tingo Foxtrot on it. So, that yeah. movie was not funny, so that checks. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> uh, now we have to talk about the, the saddest part of the, the, our week as a culture, as a nation, which of course are the deaths. We'll get there. Uh, but before we get to that one, uh, we also have Lute Olson, age 85, a Hall of Fame uh, NCAA basketball coach. Uh, Coach U of Arizona, University of Iowa, and Long Beach State. 
So college basketball lost. Boo, one. 49ers. Don't boo somebody who died. No, no, no. I, I'm booing Long Beach State. Wow. Anyway, hey, you can do it too. They're your rivals. <laughs> I mean, yes, I mean, technically, but now is not the time. Yeah, okay, I can do it. I married someone from there. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, uh, we also have Clifford Robinson, age 50, 53, an NBA player, played on the Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns. We have Norm Spencer, age 62, a voice actor. Worked on uh, cartoons such as the X-Men cartoon, Rescue Heroes, and Silver Surfer. That is the X-Men animated series. He was the voice of Cyclops. Makes sense. And then Joe Ruby, speaking of animation, famous animator, age 87, uh, uh, as well as a producer on Scooby-Doo, Dino Mutt, Dog Wonder, Alvin and the Chipmunks, name it. If it was made in the 70s and 80s, he probably worked on it. Uh, yeah, Joe, Joe Ruby, known throughout the animation sphere. But then last, but definitely not least, like I said, sent shockwaves through culture this week. Yeah, if you're wondering why we didn't go through, how, how could we, as media people, go through movie news and TV news and not talk about the thing that dominated the entire weekend? The actual biggest story in movie news this week was, of course, uh, the death of Chadwick Boseman, age 43, you, of course, know him um, from his multiple um, stellar roles, most recently and probably most notably at this point, Black Panther. Uh, but before that, 42, get on up. He was a reliable uh, biopic actor. Uh, uh, he was also in Draft Day, drafted as the number one overall pick by one Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, he had his 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 whole career ahead of him still like he had been in like i like so many people felt like black panther was this breakthrough for him and that that was going to be the thing that pushed him into the stratosphere and well what came out on saturday when we all found out about his death um that was was not saturday that was friday it's friday sorry Friday. I know that because I was out of watching on Friday, and that's all people were talking about. Yeah, we, were, we were on our way to a birthday dinner when we found out. Um, but yeah, um, it, yeah, it was, it was, lost my train of thought there. Um, you were on your way to a birthday dinner. No, before that. Anyway. Uh, it was such a great loss. <laughs> well, yes, but, but what I was going to say is like, yeah, it was like, it was, the thing, oh, that's what it was, what it was. Um, the thing that we found out was that apparently he had been, um, fighting with uh, colon cancer for since four years for four years. So all of these films that we had seen him in, uh, he had been filming diagnosed with cancer and actively fighting it. So there's this whole extra level of, of like just power that you can put into his performances. Now in retrospect, just knowing this battle that he was having this, struggle that he was going through and just how put into perspective avengers age of ultron was 2014 Mm -hmm. and then he made his debut as black panther in captain america silver war civil war yeah two years later 2016 yeah but right after that movie came out probably during all the press junkets is when he found out yeah so he basically played the character black panther throughout this 
-hmm. which is incredible. And it just goes to show you how great and powerful of a man he was. And so now, yeah, like, as you mentioned, it's kind of dominated the, the cultural landscape the last week. Uh, a lot of people kind of talking about how great of a person he was, uh, looking up quotes from interviews in which he was talking about the things he pushed, especially on the set of Black Panther to make it more inclusive, to make it more specifically African, make it more like in the voice of what he thought that the movie should be dedicated to and about. And so he not only played Black Panther, but he helped shape the movie that it became and helped was was a key hand in making it the thing that it like the amazing like thing that it was. Yeah. So two things real quick. Because we've been doing this for five years. Yeah. And because uh Black Panther has come out in that time and made the announcement that he was being cast, we have archived footage. Yeah. Or audio recordings, rather. Yeah. Of us talking about this, about him being cast as Black Panther from his role from 42. Right. I went back and listened to it. Yeah. Oh, one throwback from when we were still doing podcasts together. Yes, right. <laughs> it was a but time. also how we had, or at least I had nothing but just like glowing, because I'd seen him in 42. Yeah. Uh, in theaters from it, and it was just like that was gonna be it. Like that was a perfect casting from it. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, because I'm such a movie nerd loving buff <laughs> that I watch all the deleted scenes, behind the scenes, yeah, audio commentary, uh, and extra features on DVDs and Blu-rays that I watched the. Um, creating a universe from Sarah Finn in the MCU and how Chadwick Boseman was not originally going to be brought in as the Black Panther, but rather he had screen-tested screen tested for the role of Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy oh, okay. in 20... Well, I guess it would be before 2014, and so 2011 then when they were casting it, 20. Twelve, uh, but how like they spoke about Chadwick Boseman having such a presence, such a regal presence that he came to what was supposed to be a very brute of a role with such elegance that they kept him in mind and eventually did cast him as Black Panther. Yeah, and then you also hear things um, more recently how him and Michael B. Jordan, his co-star in Black Panther. Both played the same roles in All My Children. Hmm. How Chadwick Boseman got his start, basically, in acting school when Denzel Washington came out and sponsored him for a trip. Yeah. Um, because he was from Howard University. Um, also, Howard University being prominent in Jordan Peele's films, as well as a historically Black college. Mm -hmm. And then also, I uh, got to Howard University for a reason because his last tweet was for fellow alumnus, uh, for telling people to go vote, um, fellow alumnus um, Kamala Harris, mm -hmm. the current VP nomination uh, with Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there was any, if there was any 
like if this hadn't happened, I think his star would have just kept rising. Like we would be looking at a potential future Oscar winner. Like uh, the lo- I mean, his role was what helped yeah. Black Panther get that Best Picture nominee. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's, and that just makes it even sadder. I think is what I think why we're all taking it so so badly is it's just yeah, like I said, he had the rest of his career ahead of him. He was only up from here. He was a genuinely great guy, and the more and more that's coming out about him, the things he said and done and helped, is he just is constantly just was just helping his community and helping like helping his friends and family and just out there being supportive and for these good causes. And so yeah, it just that makes it suck even more that like not only are we losing an actor, it's not that that's not the big loss the big loss is we're losing like a genuinely amazing person and so yeah to have those things combine is just it's rough it's just a really rough one and so yeah we don't have that many of these but when one hits it's yeah the whole the whole world just cries at the same time and that's what happened here this is also part of the reason why we do these death announcements under cancellations because every now and then we get one that hits across everybody yeah. that we literally have to pause our show yeah. to say like all this great stuff about people. Yeah. The last thing I will say about it is that I think his legacy will be just the generation of kids that were able to watch him as Black Panther. That and was like, one of the things going on the internet that I yeah. saw. Yes. Of kids with their Black Panther action figures, yeah, having memorial services for Black yeah. Panther, and just just all the just uh, like I can't, of course, I can't, you know, imagine what this might be like because I'm a white kid. But just the idea of being like a a black kid and seeing such a like a portrayal of a superhero like that on the big mm-hmm. screen when you had only seen white white people you know like that must be life-changing like for well not just that but if if you've seen someone like you on screen it's in a supporting role yeah it's as the sidekick it's as falcon it's as our our war machine but in this case no he's the hero he's Mm -hmm. also the king right the most powerful like of all of them it's like it's just such a different vibe you're right it's like it's 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 that's why it mattered and i think that it definitely propelled him onto another level that of being a number one leader which is why i don't want to say that's why black panther 2 has been delayed but yeah the last thing we have talked about regarding chadwick boseman was contract negotiations for black panther 2 and the future of the MCU. Yeah. I kind of, I was thinking about like how we were going to pivot to that kind of side of the story. It's not hard because I don't want to focus so much on the, on the franchise kind of mm-hmm. part of this. But yes, briefly, we should mention that this does put the future of the franchise into question, or at least it complicates it. Because not, now that not as much though, because, right, but because there are, 
at least 40 years of Black Panther comic book lore to reach back from. Yeah. There are instances where Black Panther has died. Yeah. And his sister has taken upon the mantle. There are instances where that has happened. So it's possible. It could happen. Um, There there are stories to tell. There's routes that they could go down. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that part of the story. But for now... Uh, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman, like definitely seek out things, uh, interviews with him, listen to the director's commentary on uh, Black Panther. He's mentioned a lot in that. Oh, Watch yeah, behind is. the scenes footage on the Blu-ray or on Disney Plus. Like, yeah, just, just, or watch, yeah, watch 42. Just watch, like, yeah, watch this. I believe 42 is on HBO Max yeah. currently. So you can watch that. Uh, but yeah, definitely watch 42. That is a powerful movie if you have a chance to get to watch it. Um, Draft Day has been on Paramount Network recently because football season. Right. Uh, but also he was, I think, cast in The Five Bloods, the Spike Lee film yes. on Netflix. Yes, he is in that. That hasn't been released yet, right? Or it has? Uh, did it? I want to say that was a summer film, so I think it has been released. Maybe. It may have already been released, but in some sort of video-on-demand capacity, so you might have to look it up in those areas. Right. Uh, but yeah, I believe that that is out. Yeah, but yeah, that's, and just for people to continue his legacy, I know me about favorite Michael B. Jordan will definitely take that upon, especially with his own production studio that we announced. Yes. Uh, but yeah it's a rough one but uh but yeah it's this is a great opportunity to honor um just an incredible body of work and just like an incredible man who did incredible things all right let's move on uh because there's less sad things to talk about believe it or not oh so i want to stay sad your music too bad let's (laughs) toss it over to you let's talk about the billboard charts why don't we uh all right let's let's reconvene here we got the vibes. Let's reconvene here. All right. <laughs> era, era, the water. The manly man tears are manly over. man tears that we have here on Meetable Podcast. No SPs, real SPs <laughs> this year, so that's the closest we get. All uh, right. Are you saying that because Jackie Robinson in '42? Which, oh yeah, he died on Jackie Robinson Day. Yeah, Let's isn't that forget that? Isn't that just cosmic significance mm-hmm. or something? I don't know. Uh, I know I was, I was talking with some people that like had he stayed alive, he was probably gonna play Kobe in, the, in something. Oh, he probably would have, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Oh well, let's stop thinking about this. All let's right, let's stop thinking about that. The music. Let's talk about music. Yes, let's talk about music as we move into Billboard or we move into music with the Billboard. We start billboard. the Billboard with the Hot 100. Hot, hot, hot. Um, someone, it's. It's BTS. I, I don't want to segue into it, into an awkward thing, but BTS has your number one song this week with Dynamite. Dynamite. Uh, that bumps number uh, last week's number one, WAP, <laughs> to number two yes. uh, by Cardi B featuring Megan The Stallion. At number three, Laugh Now, Cry Later by Drake featuring Lil Durk. At number four, Rockstar by Da Baby featuring Roddy Rich. And at number five, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, who we'll yep. talk about in a little bit here. Yes. As for your albums charts, your Billboard 200, 
back at number one, continuing its number one streak. Still at number one for still five number one. weeks. Uh, Folklore by Taylor Swift. Yes. At number two, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. At number three, Legends Never Die by Juice World. At uh, number four, Hamilton, an American musical by the original Broadway cast. And at number five, new this week at number five, I believe, mm-hmm. King's Disease by Nas. So real quick uh, trivia bit for the fifth week of number one for Folklore that ties the current 2020 uh, week record with, I believe, that baby record that was uh, number one for, for multiple weeks. So, right, yeah. back in the beginning of the year. So if Taylor gets a sixth one next week, she will now have the longest reigning number one record in the year. But we'll see. And there's not that many weeks left to break it. She just has to beat uh, Katy Perry. We'll see if she can. Uh, I think she will. But she also has to defeat Dua Lipa's remix album, which I think I, she can do. It's a remix album. I think she can manage. Yep. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, well, if you didn't like any of those albums, okay. we have new releases. What am I listening to this week? I don't know what you're listening to this week, but here are the new releases. All right. Detroit 2 by Big Sean. Yep. The sequel to Detroit. I guess so. Uh, Gold Record by Bill Callahan. All That Emotion by Hannah Georges. Faith by Hertz. That hurts. Run Racket by Throwing Muses. And Fall to Pieces by Tricky. Yeah, I don't know what half of these are. I don't either. <laughs> so but unless there's know. some new singles being pumped out this week, I ain't listening to anything new. <laughs> nope. What I do know, though, is award shows. Oh, and we know award shows because as we alluded to last week, the VMAs were on this past Sunday. Yes. Yep. And the 2020 MTV Video Music Awards performed pretty strongly in the ratings department given the unprecedented COVID-19 circumstances. This year's ceremony, hosted by Hustler star Kiki Palmer, was down only 5% on last year in terms of total linear viewership. A total of 6.4 million viewers tuned in across MTV and the other 12 Viacom CBS brands on which it was simulcast, as opposed to 6.8 million last time around. Uh, That's a 400,000 viewer difference, uh, which includes pre-show, main show, post-show, and encores, but not the after party or the after after party, or the hotel lobby. No one shows those. Nope. Uh, Notable winners, include The Weeknd's Blinding Lights for Video of the Year, Lady Gaga for Artist of the Year and the new Tricon Award, as well as Mask of the Night, or rather (laughs) Masks, multiple of the night. Yeah, real briefly, we should say that a lot of people's takeaway about this year's AVMAs is, man, this was kind of the Lady Gaga show, wasn't it? (laughs) Because it kind of was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she showed up multiple times. And by yeah. multiple, I mean at least five because of three different award acceptance that she had to accept, a performance with Ariana Grande, mm-hmm. and then I guess a fifth time just because. Um, 
It was a lot of Lady Gaga. It definitely was. And a lot of costume changes for Lady Gaga as well. Yeah. But masking was on point. They were weird. They were Lady Gaga masks, so yeah. they were experimental. Also, uh, you don't have it here, but Taylor Swift won for director. Yes, uh, she won for directing her own video. Yep. Um, uh, Cardigan, I believe. No, it was the video for The Man. Oh, The Man, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, um, it was an okay show. I watched most of this. I missed the first 30 minutes, but I came in for the rest of it. It was surreal. Like I watched the middle of it where I want to assume it was J Balvin doing uh, it. Yeah. No, no. Yes. Was, he won. He won something, but I don't believe he performed. Okay. Um, I believe that was oh, I don't remember his name, but it's a, a Latin artist. Yeah, that's when I tuned in, like towards the middle in the end. But yeah, uh, Maluma, I think. Oh, yeah, that's yes, you're probably right, Maluma. Um, But um, if you were on Twitter, though, one of the big uh, trending points were the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. For Light Up Dicks. Yeah. Yeah. The Glowing Penis. I turned off my uh, TV. Oh, you you shouldn't have. As soon as they said the Black Eyed Peas and they revealed them on stage, I was like, I don't need to watch this anymore. So when they announced the Black Eyed Peas, I had to explain why Fergie wasn't there. Yeah. Because it's the Black Eyed Peas featuring Fergie. Fergie Will I Am. Right. Um, But 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 while I was explaining it, then they had the parachute pants and the swinging uh, glowing penis. Yeah. Well, before taking. we get into specifics like that, I just want to talk kind of overall about like how weird this production was. So it was done basically surrounded by a green screen. So there was mm-hmm. a stage, but everything else was digital. It was all AR, which all, they've done yeah, in the past. All the performances were also done this way. So it allowed the performers to be creative, I guess, in ways that they would have not been able to if it was a analog presentation. Um, and so, yeah, some of the stuff was pretty crazy. Like the Doja Cat performance where she was literally on like a a asteroid hurtling through space. The, uh, Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande stuff where you had like giant rock outcropping above them and just like. Yeah, that's the great thing about going digital and going full streaming, I guess, and not performing to a live audience is you can get away with doing AR stuff. Right. And having a camera pan around you, or at least make it look like you're moving through space when you're actually not, you're just sitting still. Yeah, it, it was neat. Uh, it does make you think about like what the future of that kind of stuff is going to be on award shows, mm-hmm. how much of it is going to be catered towards the home audience as opposed to the live audience. And yeah, it does get, give you like visions of the future in that way. But um, Miley Cyrus can still, for some inexplicable reasons, uh, wrecking ball style uh, ride a disco ball if she so chooses, which she did in this. In this, um, well, I think that's because Lady Gaga took over the disco stick. <laughs> yes. So yeah, um, it was a weird night. Uh, so yeah, as we mentioned, Lady Gaga won the Tricon Award, which my interpretation is this is what they've 
replace the video Vanguard award. Yeah, that's with. what I figure they did. The Michael because Jackson Vanguard Award. They don't award. want to call it the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award anymore. Mm-hmm. So they apparently just wiped the slate clean like completely and just said, that's done. We now have this new thing. Right. And depending on the source, it seems like there's all sorts of reason for it, th- why it's called that. Some people the Tri-Guard? The, the Tricon. So some Tri-Con. people are saying that it's because, oh, it's for artists that have spanned three decades, which Lady Gaga has only done by like one year. <laughs> I you, guess. No. Do we want to count 2020? If you count 2009 and 2020, then yes, she has. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you want to count that? No, I see it as like three separate icons. So, so that's the other thing is that there's like, oh, but it's also called that because you're an icon in three ways. Yeah. Which I guess, but they didn't actually demark like what those ways are. I, but I think that's on purpose. So that way they can be ambiguous three ways as long as you cross the three way. I, I, it's all okay when it's in a three way. So that works. Right. As Lady Gaga says in the song. True. Anyway. So yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing that they've done. Uh, but, but I guess congratulations to Lady Gaga for her award show. It was her night. Yeah, it really, really was. All right, let's move on. All right, let's move on uh, to other streaming services, Amazon Music. Yeah, this is weird. So Amazon Music, as much as we hate Amazon here, or yeah. rather CEO Jeff Bezos, uh, yeah. uh, they are letting artists deliver live concerts and other live streaming sessions from Twitch directly in the Amazon Music mobile app, giving them a new way to reach fans during this pandemic, according to Amazon itself. More than 1,000 artists have already connected their Amazon Music accounts to Twitch. There aren't direct monetization features through the Twitch live streams available on Amazon Music app for iOS and Android, but eligible artists can set up subscriptions on Amazon-owned Twitch to earn money, as well as sell merchandise and participate in ad revenue sharing. According to Amazon, the integration of Twitch with Amazon Music Mobile will let artists reach stadium-sized audiences at a time when in-person events are limited because of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, The company says Amazon Music has more than 55 million customers worldwide. So this is interesting. I included the story because yes, even though it's just as simple as a corporation realized that they could funnel people from one of their things into their other other things. Right. It also is kind of an interesting concept during this time where artists will have a very easy one-stop shop to do streaming services. And the subscription model allows them to have like a schedule, a streaming schedule, just like a Twitch streamer, like playing video games would, where they would be like, oh, and then you could set up notifications that way. It's like a really good way for Amazon to basically take all of those ideas that were being used by third parties that we've seen kind of spring up over the course of this quarantine. and put it in a place with a name that everybody recognized. Yes, it sucks that it's Amazon. And um, there's that whole like part to it, part to it. But, but it's interesting. And I think we'll be seeing a lot of this. 
I mean, it makes sense. Take the live portion from Twitch, smash it together with music, which currently isn't live, but you know, people want to hear it live. Yeah. Meld it together like a peanut butter and raisin sandwich. <laughs> and thus you have this meal piece. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes, at least for the lar- bigger artists, this becomes the place to watch streaming concerts up for them. Mm-hmm. So. And I can see, like, I don't know, I know why it hasn't been done, but just live broadcast streaming concerts in general, this, in person. This allows that to happen. It is a way that should, you would think, already be done. But I understand that people want the live experience. But if you can't attend the live experience. Yeah. And if you're only going to put on, like Taylor Swift, three shows ever for a concert. Yeah. It's a way to make extra money without selling extra tickets. Well, we'll see what happens with it. Yep. All right, let's move on. All right. Uh, Let's move on to some thoughts. Oh, wow. More thoughts? What is this? (laughs) We're going to have thoughts and everything, aren't we? Mm, sort of. Maybe. All right. Uh, so uh, let's start off our thoughts with future Nostalgia Club remix Dua Lipa's thing. Yeah, you've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, how you're looking forward to this remix version of the Dua Lipa record, which we both liked from earlier in the year. Uh, yeah. How is this? How did this pan out? Stay, stay, with, the, stay with the original record. <laughs> Immediately, just like no, didn't need to be made. Some of it is good, but most of it is. Oh, I let my DJ friend mess around with it. Got it. Just, just it happened in much of the same way Lion King one and a half happened. (laughs) It didn't happen. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, But yeah, just stick with the original feature nostalgia from Dua Lipa, and it's okay that this exists but if you don't want it to exist that's perfectly fine too <laughs> yeah fair enough uh but We're also alluding to something else yeah i'm alluding to it that it exists but probably shouldn't exist but also does and that is a uh, katie perry's new album smile yeah so i was close to listening to this i say close because I considered it multiple times and ultimately did something else all of those times. Did I make the right call? So I didn't want to listen to this, but I had to mow my lawn. So <laughs> I had to listen to something. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I have 20 minutes here. Let's listen to Katy Perry smile. Okay. I'm glad I was doing something else because it's not good. No, I've heard some good things about this. So this was supposed to be her return to form because her last record, Witness, was a swing and a miss. Also, I listened to that thing. It was this preachy, like, techno-poppy mess that was just, like, didn't work on any of the levels it was trying to work on. So this time, she made a big deal about, like, oh, no, like, this is about, this is like a, like a happy record again. I don't know. How many times are you supposed to repeat a hook or a chorus? 
depends, I guess, on how, how much you want them to really remember it. Take a guess. Like, on a good song, how often should you do repeat something? I'd say there's probably two to three choruses in an, in an average song. Okay. It's like five to seven. Oh, no. And not even like at the end where it's just repeating? Yeah. No. Yikes. <sighs> it's not good. The stuff she's even talking about, it's like, sure, like it sounds like something for a teenager, but you're also a 43 year old woman, I assume. We <laughs> <laughs> probably should be singing about this stuff and leave it for other people. To be fair, I think she's only like 36, maybe 35. No, I don't. I, I don't um, <laughs> yeah, look, you can look it up, but I'm pretty sure she was like 25 when Teenage Dream came out 10 years ago. So uh, she is 35. On it. Anyways, so yeah, but I see what you mean. Yeah, it's not something I want to hear a 35 year old speak about. <laughs> Talk about high school. Yeah, but how how come then Taylor Swift gets away with it? She's thirty. No, she's not. She's she's always eighteen <laughs> or sixteen, whatever that song is. <laughs> Fifteen is the song. Fifteen. <laughs> um, no, she she is thirty. I hate to break it to you. Uh, but it was much the same way as that. Uh, no, what was that country artist I said the same thing about a while ago? It was this year. I know that. You don't remember. Tori? Country artist? You tell me, they all blend together. Uh, She she had an album this year. I'm blinking. I don't know, it's kind of the same thing where I don't want to listen to a, I think she was 28 at the time, 28 year old talk about like when she was 15 and doing dumb stuff. As if she is herself 15 and doing dumb stuff. Maybe it's just music changes. Music taste changes. Perhaps. But it's just not good stuff. So So try and save me. Did you listen to something good? (laughs) So I did. I'm 0 for 2 here. I did, but there's a caveat. There's an asterisk to this one because it's technically not really new. And what I mean by that is... Despite the name of it, uh, so I listened to the new Angel Olsen record, uh, "Whole New Mess," and despite what the name implies, it is not wholly new. Because if you recall, one or two years ago, when I talked about her last record, "All Mirrors," which actually ended up on my top five that year when we did our top fives, I had talked about on the podcast about that record being originally an acoustic record that she had decided to instead put a bunch of production behind and orchestrations and put out as that record. Do you recall any of this? Okay. Nope. Well, this is that acoustic version of that record. Okay. Maybe? (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I, she, I know Angel Olsen is a familiar artist to the yeah. podcast. She had debated about whether releasing that the original version for a while, and she decided ultimately to to release it this year. And in a way, it's perfect timing because 
even if you didn't know that this was material that had already been recorded in a different manner, it works as kind of an intimate, like quarantine style record because of its acoustic nature. It's very pared down compared to the versions of these songs that ended up on All Mirrors. Um, the songs like are pretty much the same songs, but the different take completely changes the vibe of it. And so, yeah, it's really, really good. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. But like I said, there's a caveat. It's technically the same songs as that previous record. So if it sounds familiar to you after listening to that, that is why it does. But does it sound good or better? Because acoustic albums can be better. And that's what I'm saying is it's a different vibe that actually does really fit this moment where we are seeing a more kind of pared down sound overall than pop music. Um, besides the, you know, the exceptions to that. Uh, but yeah, with stuff like Taylor Swift folklore, we are seeing like these sounds kind of get smaller. And yeah, so it's an interesting time to, for her to release this. But yeah, I enjoyed it. And it, it, in a way, it's kind of a, her career coming full circle because she used to do acoustic records like this. She was kind of a folk-adjacent uh, artist originally. And so it's kind of cool to see her songwriting kind of still fit into that mold. That's nice. I think ultimately I probably prefer the versions on All Mirrors, uh, but just that's just my personal uh, taste, I think, saying that. But yeah, if you're a fan of her work, this is, this is a go another good record of hers, even though it's not completely new material. Okay. Uh, Kelsey Ballerini, by the way, I'm that artist. Right. That is uh, her album, Kelsey, uh, which is earlier this year. But yeah, that's all I've got. All right. Uh, then we can move on over to video games. Video games. We start with new releases, including WRC 9 for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Spellbreak for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Yep, big remake. That came up fast. It did. Yeah, they announced that thing and released it within three months. Yep. Uh, Star Renegades for the PC. RPG Maker MV for the PlayStation and Switch. Yep. Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning <laughs> for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. That is a remaster of a 360 PS3 era RPG, uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. All right. And we also have NBA 2K21 for the PlayStation, Switch, Xbox, and PC. Basketball. Basketball game is out this week. Yep. Uh, one release you don't have on here. Yes. But I guess we'll talk about it later. Will we? Isn't uh, Marvel's Avengers supposed to release this week? That's not this week. That's next week. That's next week. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I had seen people like start streaming it and playing the whole game. Some people have early access to that. Thing. But I think that was the, the by the deluxe edition. We'll ship it to you early. I believe it's one of those things. Also, media got their copies this week, so you're seeing right. reviews start to hit and impressions start to hit. Right. Okay. For the final game. So so that will probably be next week then. I think that, yes. I think actual retail copies are out next week. Okay. Well, while we're on the subject of it then. Yeah, let's talk about that one first. Yeah. Marvel's Avengers is our news story because the beta has ended. Yeah. 
thoughts, prayers, thoughts we already, prayers? We already talked to death about what we think about that game. Let's talk about, though, how it performed as a uh, Yes, because Square Enix did a new war table, round table, <laughs> where they revealed that over 6 million of us players signed up to participate in the Marvel's Avengers beta, where in an infographic, they proudly were sharing stats from the beta in which they revealed players spent a collective 27 million hours in the game. That's a lot of hours. Yeah, but with 6 million people signed in, that's roughly almost four and a half hours per person. That's about right. That's pretty good, actually. Actually, that's probably what I spent playing it, too, combined. I pushed that average down a little bit by uh, only spending like an hour and a half with it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, during which uh, there were over 33 million Miss Marvel and biggins, <laughs> 200 million Hulk smashers. Oh, I could go for a Hulk smasher. And 3 million enemies defeated. I'm sorry, 300 million enemies yeah. defeated. And there's more too. With 175,000 legendary gear being discovered and 22 million Hulk buster summoners being performed with 3 billion hours being spent played as Tony Stark's alter ego, Iron Man, during which 29 trillion kilowatts were generated by his arc reactor. They got into some weird, silly like stats at some point in there, but really the takeaway is, is that their weird beta risk paid off, I guess, which is it got a lot of people thinking about and playing this game before release. It definitely got a lot of people playing on it from what I've seen and watched the roundtable and watch other people's reactions to it. They, they fixed a lot of stuff that people were complaining about, mainly frame rate drops. Yeah. I mean, well, it's only a matter of time until we see whether that, any of this actually translates to game sales, though. Yes, but no, also note that much like with these um, betas, a heavy day one patch is already in the works and already being implemented. Yeah, get ready to spend a while installing this thing. Yep. Uh, so I've been going back and forth on whether or not to actually buy and play this game. Mm-hmm. I'm still back and forth. Don't know where I'm going to land coin flip on this thing. I am going to say probably no. Because if you do, it's going to be a big time investment. You're going to want to try to do everything that the game has to offer. And as somebody who is, who is currently in the Destiny hole, I advise against it. Right. And as someone who has mentioned, this is like a Destiny grind games as service setup that they have going on here. Yeah. So if you I'm, that energy in your life. I currently have have none of that energy in my life, though. I was going to say, though, but, like, honestly, if it was me, I would tell you, play Destiny instead, because it's an actually good game that does these things. Well, see, that's the thing, though. Destiny 2 has had two years now? Three years? Three years, more or less. Right, to help perfect what it has going on for it. Whereas Marvel's Avengers is just starting out. And as I've known from playing mobile games, where if you get on it real early, 
and you invest the time in it, it can be a fun experience if you take that time and invest it and you start early. Well, think about it. And then when it comes out, I trust you to make the right call. Well, like I said, I won't buy it till literally day of or hours before. So come back to me next week and we'll talk about it. Also, next week will be the beginning of football. So my time will probably be taken up with that. Um, But I know it's not in the notes here. I mean, it was in the notes last week, but Kingdom Hearts um, Melody of Memory got release date of November 11th. So I need something to bide by time for that, I guess, up until then. Which Avengers is two months worth of gameplay I can get into, and I know Doctor will let me play it. Well, we'll see. You'll she'll have fun watching me play as Thor. But yeah, we, much. Did, we did bring up uh, King Hearts because last week because we last talked week. about it in the Switch news. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that was not the biggest uh, video game story of the week. No, funny enough, the biggest video game story didn't involve a console. No, it didn't actually. Uh, as as both consoles, both Sony and Microsoft announced their consoles and getting close to where PC gaming is, NVIDIA decided to say, nah, bro, check this shit out. This happens every single time, though. Oh, this, I know. It's always hilarious. There's also a graphics card generation. It is Clyde Edwards hilarious that this always happens. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, as, all right. Specs breakdown. I think I'm going to throw a bunch of numbers at you here. So yeah. This is going to be another bunch of numbers about graphics cards. That's okay. I can make it sound exciting. Because cool. NVIDIA, I'm not going to say it like that. NVIDIA announced the latest new range of graphics cards that will be available for our gaming rigs this year. Ours, meaning yours. Well, I just bought this thing. And it's already outdated. Let me, yeah, let me preface this. <laughs> let me preface this with saying I'm pretty confident that I don't need to upgrade anytime soon. Uh, this thing runs the games pretty well, and it'll take a pretty crazy game to outdo a current 2080. So I am not at any, like, any way letting this convince me to buy any of these new cards. Okay, continue. Well, NVIDIA announced its RTX 30 series which they will be launching this September and October. The lead card reveals, uh, revealed was the RTX 3080, which will offer speeds and powers that are two times that of the 2080 card of this current generation. My card. With, that's currently what you have, right? Yeah, I have a 2080 straight up. Yep. So this will uh, double that essentially, Um, with 19 gigabits per second speed from 10 gigabits of the brand new GDDR6X memory. This will lead the way in making 4K 60 frames per second gaming a reality for home gamers when it releases at the surprisingly affordable price (laughs) <laughs> and I really mean that. Surprisingly affordable for this. $700 starting price. Though, consider that for a second, though. That is probably at least $100, if not more, expensive than any of the consoles are going to be in November. Just keep that in mind. It's still not 
cheap. It's no. still an investment. Mm -hmm. uh, next to be unveiled was the RTX 3070 card. And we really like the look of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's editorial. It's yep. It's sitting below the 3080, naturally, because it's a 3070. Yeah. Uh, its main selling points are still extraordinarily attractive as it'll be toned down a bit by having 8 gigabytes of GDDR6 memory, but will still offer a performance that's double the 2070 and comfortably faster than the current behemoth of the 2080 Ti. And all of this for a modest $500. Yeah, sure, yeah. And given the success of the very top-tier graphics cards, the Titan RTX being the current mega card, NVIDIA closed out the GPU reveal with the RTX 3090. This is a monster of a card that will sell for only the price of an actual computer. Yeah, yes. $1,500. Yeah. Which is only a bit more than the current gen 2080 ti and offer up to 50 percent more speed and performance compared to the rtx titan with its 24 gigabytes of gddr6x memory it is quite mind-boggling in terms of price and power but not totally off the table for those building mega machines NVIDIA is referring to this card as the BF GPU, a.k.a. Big Ferocious GPU. <laughs> but you know what the BF stands for. Boyfriend. Boyfriend GPU. Big floppy <laughs> GPU. Yep. Floppy is hanging out there. Everyone to see. I mean, this is literally NVIDIA big dick swing in here, guys. I yeah. saw the infographics for these things, and it was like, oh, you thought we stopped here? Ha, ha, ha. Let's zoom back, and I'll show you what we really do here. Yeah, it's really telling that they, there's a, they, they don't have any equivalent to the 2060, the low-end card this year. They're just like, nah, no low-end, just mid-big-best. <laughs> Like, they're not even playing around this year. They know what their market is, and their market cares about big performance. It's and all three like of these when, cards deliver. It's like when video games dropped the silver and bronze and just started going gold, platinum, yeah. diamond, titanium, alloy, whatever. <laughs> Triple S, XXX. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, really all you need to know here is that these are going to be the new standard eventually. Once price, prices come down, they'll be a little bit more affordable and most people can start using them. Uh, but for now, they're going, the only reason to upgrade is if you're building brand new right now and you can afford to, or you have a slightly older thing that needs to be upgraded, this is, I guess, makes you like, have a reason to do it. How slightly older are we talking here? Five years? Uh, yeah, that seems like, I think that the people... Because the th tricky thing, and I'm just kind of learning being kind of into this world for the first time, I'm kind of learning these things, but 
the thing to remember is that you have to have a pretty modern G, uh, CPU in order mm -hmm. to run these modern graphics cards. So you can technically upgrade an existing computer with these cards, but keep in mind compatibility because a lot of those old boards will not be able to take a newer card. So just do your research if you're interested in all about having this power. But I think my takeaway here is that don't feel like you're being pressured to upgrade quite yet. Give it time. The existing cards can still handle the upcoming like, generation of video games. The question, though, that it will be is eventually if developers take advantage of some of the tech that's only in the new consoles, such as running the zero load times running off the SSDs, such as maybe some more specific ray tracing ability. If right, that is one thing I saw in this NVIDIA where yeah. they said ray tracing was possible along with yeah. all the other stuff. On all the cards. So ray tracing technically was possible in the 20 series as well, but specifically the uh, 2080. Right. Um, so it's going to be a bigger focus on these cards. Um, but yeah, so there's like only if the developers really keep in mind like, oh, we want to make this experience on PC just as good as on the consoles, then maybe you'll see a need for something little that performs a little better than a 2080. But honestly, my takeaway here is that don't freak out yet. Give it a couple years, see how this shakes out, see prices go down potentially, and then maybe think about upgrading down the line. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm going to kind of take stock when we're a few years into this upcoming generation and see if it makes any sense for me to bother. Right, and I usually wait a year to purchase a console anyways. Anyway, so, yeah. But it's neat, the future of video games. It's happening. Yep. Uh, did you play anything? Yeah, I played real, something real brief right after the podcast last week uh, because I mentioned kind of the tail end of that show that I may or may not have had access to a Madden demo. Well, turns out I did. Um, it was something that I was only able to play for a couple hours. But About an hour, yeah. That's all you really need out of a Madden game anyways, let's be honest, to know what's new. and what Right, because what I thought was going to be one of our big stories was all the Madden hate. <laughs> no. Go ahead, you actually played Madden. But I played it. Uh, so it has issues, as everybody on the internet has pointed out, just like last year's game, it is riddled full of bugs. Um, I saw a handful of uh, players run right through each other. I saw a dude's hair get stuck in his face on the sidelines and kind of do a twisty thingy. Um, it has issues. It seems like they're still trying to wrangle the Frostbite engine, and it doesn't quite work for the Madden games. hasn't since they switched to it. It's which is weird because that's EA's proprietary engine yeah. they're running. It's going to be interesting to see how the next gen versions of this game run because this is the next gen Madden. We will be getting next gen versions of twenty one, mm -hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see how they take it. But playing it on a PC, I kind of got a little bit of a preview of that of, of that. It did look really nice. Um, the frame rate not great, even running on a computer that should not have frame rate issues. And I did some reading, and that is not my computer. That is the game. Um, <laughs> it just seems like there's some optimization that needs to happen. So that's the bad news. I got the bad news out of the way. The good news is, is that it's a very appealing-looking Madden, this game. The design 
around like from everything from the cover to the actual like interstitials this game's got some style that has been missing from i think madden games in the past it's very bright it's very colorful it's very like stylish and yeah so the like the stuff that happens in between plays um is really it's just really attractive looking and it made the actual practice of playing the game a little less mundane which was nice I played a game, a couple games. I played one and a half games. I played a preseason game, again preseason because this is an alternate universe in which we had preseason games. Yes. Um, where uh, the Rams blew out uh, the St. Louis uh, Card, uh, no, the um, not the Arizona St. Cardinals. No, no, not even close. Uh, the San Francisco Forty Nine. Orleans Saints. I was thinking Saints. But you said. And Cardinals and St. Louis. My mouth just kept going. Um, the Saints. Uh, I beat them 49 to nothing. <laughs> yes. Were there any yellow flags thrown? <laughs> no, no. No penalties because I was playing on the arcade, not the simulation. Yeah. So I never got called for Jack. Um, <laughs> probably why I won. Just, just like the Rams. Just like the Rams <laughs> at home. Oh, yeah. I got to play at home in SoFi. In the new SoFi Stadium? The digital version of the SoFi Stadium that no one's actually played the in. The digital you has played there. Yeah. It's kind of cool to be the first people to play it, play in SoFi. Just, um, so, yeah, it, it's still Madden. It still plays like Madden. It plays exactly as you expected. Um, it's still got some of that context-sensitive stuff that was really cool from last year where it'll tell you, like, little buttons will show up above your player when you can do certain moves that you may or may not have known. So it'll tell you, like, you can stiff arm by pressing A. You can you can juke here. You can do a spin move by pressing B. So it's context-sensitive to what the play is happening on the field uh, to tell you what you can do. So that way you're not all the time, which is something that used to happen in old Madden games, going to the pause menu and looking at controls to see, how do I spin again? How do I do an interception? It's concept sensitive now, so you you don't have to necessarily pause the action to do any of that. Um, It still has a lot of that um, experience uh, points that they've been doing from the last couple of of games where you're earning experience for each of your players, Mm -hmm. even in exhibition matches. So that way you can if you continue with the team, you can get better and better with those players stat-wise. There's two new modes this year. There's the yard, which is like their their kind of version of like arcadey street football. Right. I did not play that, but it seems potentially interesting to have like as a change of pace. Yeah, I think that's their like, they said NFL street mode where it's 60 yards, you get one first down, and you got to score. Yes. So it's a little bit faster, a little bit of more. Yeah. There's seven on seven, I think. Yeah. Six on six, whatever. And then the other new thing is that the face the franchise mode has a new story this year, but it's pretty similar to last year's. It's not as elaborate as the year where they debuted it. Unfortunately, still, they're still trying to shoot for that big cinematic thing that they tried the first time and never tried again. Um, this time it's a little bit more pared down. Uh, but you still do start from high school and move up through your career. But you don't throw footballs at targets in a garage with Dan Marino, <laughs> as far as I know, which is sad. But. You can't be someone awesome. Yeah, you can't. Well, you can still be someone awesome. So I look forward to the adventures of someone awesome if you choose to purchase this. Um, but yeah, it's Madden. I didn't need to play more than that demo to get a taste of what it is this year. I think that the, my take is 
the same thing I say every time a Madden or a sports game like this comes out, which is if it's been like three or four years since the last time you played one, you're probably due. But yeah. if it hasn't, you probably don't need to bother. All right. So typical, it's a sports game. Yeah. It has. I, we have ours from last year, so I don't think we're going right. to upgrade. It has issues, but so did last year's game. So right. if you were able to look through last year's game, maybe this year's game won't phase you. But there's no real big need to pick this one up yet. Yeah, mine will probably be next year when I get the console. Yeah. Madden will come with it because football <laughs> season. Because football, yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, dude. So do not expect someone awesome to be uh, trying to sling the football this year. No. Instead, someone awesome has taken his talents elsewhere. Onto the golf pitch. Yeah. See, Onto the greens. More, more PGA Tour twenty one. Yes, I have started PGA uh, Career Mode two K twenty one, and I took one of their initial offerings. Mm-hmm. I have it set to easy, but I may need to bump that up because after I didn't even complete three, like a full uh, season, I completed f- uh, five rounds. I got first in three of them and it said, hey, you're doing pretty good. Let's bump you up to the PGA Tour. Yeah. So now I get to face off against some rivals. Um, I am streaming on Twitch because I'm running it through the Xbox, but then I'm trying to upload them to YouTube when I'm done. Uh So you will see those uploads as they happen. Um, But yeah, Um, someone awesome is currently being awesome on the PGA Tour. (laughs) Yeah, you love to see it. You love to see a person move up in the world. Yes, I, I may have to up the difficulty though, because... It's weird. When I play with other people, I kind of suck. <laughs> but when I play by myself, I do pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I did play some online mode this time around Yeah. Uh, with my guy. And I kind of like it. Cool. It does move pretty slow, though. It's golf. Because you're waiting for other people to go ahead. Come on, hurry up. Take your yeah. shot. Exactly. Just like but real. I think it's – I only think it's moving slow. Because I'm not see because I cannot see them move, adjust their shot, trying to figure out what they right. want to hit. Whereas I can on local play because yeah. it's online. It's like right. okay, come on, hurry up! You're just there. You're just standing there. I see your guy fidgeting. Hurry up, make your shot. <laughs> but other than that, I like the way it plays. I think cool. it plays pretty fun. Um, you do only rotate through the um, initial offerings of courses, but. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna see. The game's been out for about two weeks now, and some of the uh, creative courses should be popping in, including some local courses. I'm excited about. How exciting! Oh, very exciting because, as you know, we, uh, you've played there before. I think you walked it with us. The Newport Beach. Yep. Um, golf course. Yep. They have it. Oh, very cool! It is there. <laughs> It is very accurate to part where they actually have streets and office buildings in the background and even airplanes flying over. Do you have to actually control your guy across that bridge? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's automatic. But you, if you, because that uh, one hole is right next to the street, 
when you yeah. pop it up, you can see the street and the cars and everything on it, and also the planes flying over whenever you tee off. Nice. That's pretty it's cool. Eerily accurate and also pretty fantastic that someone's taking the time to create a yeah. local hole. It's a, somebody who's probably around here somewhere. Somewhere <laughs> someone created it for us. Yeah. You might know them, for all you know. Hey, for all I know. All right, cool. That's great. I'm glad you're liking the golf game. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I will be streaming more of that on our Twitch channel, which you can find us uh, by searching Media Boat Cast. Yeah, I believe it's twitch.tv slash media boat. Yep. Cool. But that is a good way to start plugging away because we're done with this episode. We're done. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back next week for a new episode. If you want to see us in video form or on your YouTube channel, go to YouTube, search Media Boat Podcast to find us there. You can also see hear us in audio form in podcast services such as Apple Podcasts. Search Media Boat Podcast there, and you should find our feed. If you want to catch us on social media, on Twitter, our handle is at Media Boat Cast. On Facebook, maybe we're on Media Boat Podcast. Uh, just search it. Find out if we are. And twitch.tv slash video games. I almost did it again. Twitch.tv slash media boat. If you go to twitch.tv slash video games, I cannot guarantee you will see something good. It might be porn. I don't know. Uh, twitch.tv slash media boat, though, is where you can see you play some golf. Uh, then you can also see uh, some articles on mediaboatpodcast.com. Hopefully we'll get back to spinning some of those up for y'all again, taking a little bit of a break for life purposes. Uh, but yeah, that's all the things we've done in all the corners of the internet. So until next week, we'll be chilling. We'll be back next week, though, uh, to talk about all the new releases, thoughts, and news that hits all for you. Uh, we may have thoughts for, I mean, we'll have thoughts for The Boys, so that's coming up this yeah. upcoming week. We yep. may have thoughts for Mulan. Maybe. That's releasing this week. Yeah. Don't know yet, because as I found out today, yes, um, Disney changed up its promo and said that the Premiere Access will give you the film and everything. Yeah, But they also secretly announced, because I didn't see this anywhere on Twitter, but they secretly announced that it would be available to Disney Plus subscribers normally yeah. on December 4th. They're going to do the thing that they did with Onward. Three months. It's going to be a video on demand period, and then there's going to be just a regular Disney Plus release. Right. So this is a three-month gap, which is standard. Yeah. I would standard. say standard 90 days. Standard 90 days. Uh, but it may convince me to hold off on buying it then. I think it may convince a lot of people to hold off on this, which is why I did not expect them to do it prior to release. Right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but that premiere access uh, does last for one month from, or actually it lasts until like mid-November, I think. Mm -hmm. So there's still time to buy it for premiere access if it gets like raving reviews or something. But yep. I may hold off onto it until December. We'll see. I may spend that money on Marvel's Adventures instead. <laughs> no, don't do it. Okay. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Okay. See back that. next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.